From Immersive Labs, this is Cyberhumanity. Hello again, I'm your host Chris Pace. Cyberhumanity is the podcast taking cybersecurity personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types or chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. I'm joined by three of my very own offensive cybers and not not in that way. <laughs> Paul... Oh, no, no, not Paul Bennett. Uh... <laughs> Oh, Max Vetter, so close. Kev Breen, and Anthony Dalton. Not Paul Bentham. <laughs> yeah, super sub. I feel like, I feel like yeah, Anthony's kind of moving past being a guest now and yeah. is more in kind of, is more in sort of super sub territory, isn't he? So thank you all for joining me. Um, we have a packed agenda this week, no doubt. Um, but we are going to begin with NPM packages, which I knew nothing about until about a week ago. Um, but apparently NPM packages are one of those things that are really widely used and downloaded a lot for something. And Kev is going to tell us what that is. Um, but essentially, we've seen a couple of them now being being hacked. So Kev, what's going on? First of all, what is NPM? And then talk to us about how they've been hacked. So NPM's a package manager for uh, node libraries, uh, which is a JavaScript language. So when you have developers and they build websites and internal applications and, and things of that nature, a lot of them are built in node. And if you want to uh, add a card onto a, a website, or if you want to do something in a specific way, rather than having to write that code over and over again, you can see if anybody else has written that for you and use that. And that's the whole point of uh, libraries. Um, and npm is the official package manager for the node language um and what we've seen and to be fair this isn't something new this has always happened but we've seen a big uptake uh in recent weeks uh, and some of those npm packages have been compromised by bad actors uh to do one of two things, uh, to run a crypto miner uh, and to install some credential stealing malware. Um, and this is targeting developers. Like, there's no way around it. Like, uh, that uh, the crypto miner may be there to hide the credential stealer. The credential stealer is all about taking, like, passwords, credentials, API keys, things that you use to connect to uh, your development infrastructure. Uh, and these specific packages have been around for a while and collectively 28 million downloads every week for these packages that gives you some kind of idea of the breadth of this gosh wow so uh, but but obviously um mostly those downloads are you know they like you say it's the development side of things uh what is the potential for for example using those those stolen credentials i mean obviously you're going to be able to potentially escalate privileges but what could you do with the access that say that developer has on their machine uh, well so it, it's whilst it is targeting developers this will also affect your infrastructure so there's a, a thing you can do called version pinning and if you're not version pinning then if you build a new release of your software then you would be installing this as well um and the kind of access we're talking about could be like your full AWS keys, which could give that actor full insight into your entire AWS infrastructure. Uh, and at that point, 
like there's no end to what an attacker could do um and this package like ua parser js the the one that was popped a couple of weeks ago this is used by google this is used by amazon this is used by fortune 500 companies uh, this is used by governments so if the attackers had been a little more cautious with what they've done they could have had like done significant damage like one of these packages is used by gchq in their cyberchef product so like so one, of, if one of the questions that i have about these is um who actually makes npm so are, are they big responsible companies that are regulated and have processes in place because it seems like there's a massive reliance on them but um i've never heard of them so npm the people who run the package manager that's no that's an open source consortium the people who write the individual packages are anybody on the internet so ua parser js that got popped the other day that's one developer who runs an open source project on github no oversight like it has open source oversight but in this instance uh nobody compromises github account so there's no review of the code that went through the, the CICD pipeline for it. They compromised his individual NPM account. He didn't have two-factor authentication on it. So the attackers literally just logged into his NPM account and uploaded a malicious version. Uh, so in terms of like visibility from the open source community, you cannot tell until it's already being installed and somebody goes, hey, that's a bit weird. First of all, talk about like how have how have they done that so is this a thing that was reported and had been already patched or was it a thing that was reported while it was not fixed uh so it happened after that so uh looking specifically to the ua parser js one so what happens is the developer makes a new version uh he puts it in github and then github pushes it to npm what happened in this instance is an attacker copied all of the code modified it slightly to include the malware you stole his npm username and password logged right. directly into npm and just uploaded a new version got you so like in terms of remediating this uh i think it was somebody on the somebody went to the npm github and said i've just installed the uh sorry the ua parser github and said this thing's just installed malware what's happening at which point the maintainer went oh, I can see some weird stuff in my emails. Hang on a second. Uh, and at that point, like, NPM themselves stepped in and they removed the vulnerable packages. Uh, but at this point, like, the horse has bolted. Like, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, have already installed that malicious version. So if you'd already downloaded and installed it, uh, I'm assuming that there is a way for you to easily remove or replace what was, what was there. Uh, yeah, so... Um, the, the nice thing about the package manager is it allows for that exact same thing. Like, you can pin the version, you can remove it. But at that point, again, like, especially if the credential halves has been installed, that thing triggers as soon as it's installed. So the moment you installed it, all of those, any access tokens you had, any passwords you had, you've got to assume they're compromised. And you don't know what else the attacker did in that moment. If they had two hours on your machine, they could have installed additional malware, they could have installed persistence, they could have stolen, like, you just, you've got to assume it's burnt. Context around the word popped, which you used, you've used three times. <laughs> I want to try and understand what that could mean if it wasn't, I'm, 
I want these words to be taken in the way they're intended if it wasn't just a cryptocurrency miner and a credential hub. So let's say, for example, I know this package is downloaded by a target that I have and it's a significant target. If if you decided not to use malware or cryptocurrency mining, what else would you be able to do? Are you about to say anything? Uh, it's so powerful. Um, mm. So if it was if it was me... Like I'd probably go for <laughs> tread, and tread carefully now, because you're going to do it again. You're yeah, going mean, to do I'm it gonna, again. I'm going to tell the attackers exactly what to do. Um, I'd I'd go with something a little bit quieter, like mm. something that just gives like a beacon, a pole, like opens a really small door. Doesn't drop a load of malware. Just opens a really small door, and then I can be selective about it. And this is exactly what we saw uh, with Solar Winds. Yes, uh, Solar Winds. Yeah, sunburst. Yeah, yeah. Where they compromised it, but that compromise didn't do like mm -hmm. a load of massive stuff. It just phoned home and said, "This is what I found." Mm -hmm. It was then up to the the hands-on guys to then go and actually compromise that further. That's it, and, uh, that seems so. These seems to be very different motiva motivations behind the hacks, right? If if you are installing crypto miners, you you got a very different motivation to I'm going to subtly put a backdoor in government systems and you know watch it over years and years, you know which is the most terrifying point because we don't right, know do we <laughs> this we is very know. loud we don't so, know if that's happening or not is the, is what you're about to say so if what we're calling some fundamentally basic attackers can hit something that has 28 million downloads every week and go really noisy what are the guys who can stay really <laughs> quiet and do this really well doing well, there's a question I was going to ask: is is npm <laughs> is npm unique in the scale that it has, or are there thousands of these little libraries being used by people like Google and GCHQ, etc.? So uh, npm is the one for Node, and there are hundreds of millions of packages in there. You've also got Gems for Ruby, which is exactly the same thing for Ruby, and you've got PyPI, which is exactly the same thing for Python packages. Across them hundreds of millions of packages used by hundreds of millions of projects by thousands of millions of developers across the world at any given time like this is the entire ecosystem of our code and it is individual developers just individuals on the internet that can have that much significant reach and imagine if one of them just went rogue all right i have to move us on there's no there's no more time to talk about this because now we have to talk about the pact um, the packed raft of ransomware stories that there have been this week. We're going to do those uh, first. So one by one, the Labour Party um, in the UK have also found themselves um, in a spot of bother off the back of a cyber attack. But it wasn't them who was attacked. Um, so, Kev, what happened here? This is like a third party that was handling data for the Labour Party who have ended up being being attacked, right? Yeah, so Labour reported a data breach in a letter to the ICO. When do we start sending letters again? Well, I think um, that's what the ICO requires, isn't it? It's a letter. Anyway, <laughs> go on. Uh, yeah, so a third-party supplier that the Labour Party uses to handle some of its data. We don't know what that data is. Uh, they were uh, victims of a ransomware attack, so they reported the attack to Labour. Labour then uh, pushed that upstream to the ICO. Uh, and that's pretty much all we know. I'm assuming it's not that much data because it's the Labour Party, though, right? Because... Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. Uh. 
Anyway, so that's I suppose what's interesting about it though is it is a kind of supply chain knock-on thing, right? Your supply chain gets hacked. In this case, you've trusted that supply chain to look after data. Therefore, that data is now therefore that data is now compromised. So it is a not the f- you know yeah. not the first time it's not happened, first- but it is yeah. And it's not the first time it's happened to Labour either. Labour had the mm. exact same thing last year where uh, a third-party supplier they were using to hold data was also compromised uh, with ransomware. They should probably look for better third-party Third supplies. Third-parties. <laughs> moving us on again. It's my job. Moving us on again. I'm going to read this headline to you because it's an absolute belter. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> I will find the actual, uh, not the internet headline, but the actual headline from the Daily Mail once we get into uh, once we get into talking about this. But I don't know how many of you are familiar with Daily Mail articles. They do this thing where... Anthony reads it all the time. They do this thing where they make their headline like an essay. The headline is basically the opening part of the article. And then they put all these bullet points underneath, which is, I think, is basically for people with very short attention spans. Um, They put the words very big and then the bullet points. And then I suppose you decide whether you're going to read it or not. But anyway, Uh, here is the headline. I have a theory that it's so you don't ever have to leave the homepage of the Daily Mail. You can scroll through the homepage of the Daily Mail (laughs) and everything that the kind of person who reads the Daily Mail uh, needs to know is on the homepage. And then they can go away and, I don't know. I mean, it's true. Yeah, they do. It's good. It's true. Yeah. Get ang- yeah. Go away and get angry about it. Okay, here it comes. Massive cyber heist rocks high society jeweler Graf. Russian gang demand multi-million ransom or they'll release private details of rich and famous after leaking files on David Beckham, Oprah and Donald Trump. So there's your, there's your article. Short, I particularly short, love short cyber heist. <laughs> <laughs> cyber heist you see what they've done and it's because it's a jewelers and so they've gone with they've gone with cyber heist okay so that's the headline and you would read that and also for context listeners this was the front page of the daily mail last week the front page of a uk national newspaper which would make me think whoa this must be a really big deal now kev is going to tell us what has actually happened here uh yeah and like first if you're from the Daily Mail, you need better cyber experts because yours are a little bit rubbish. <laughs> um, yeah, are they, are they, hang on, are these cyber experts named or unnamed? Una- cyber experts said it was likely that the hackers gained access to graphs oh. files by sending an email, which duped a member of staff into opening a file containing a sophisticated ransomware computer virus. Some of that is true. None of it is correct in context. <laughs> uh, 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 the Conti don't send ransomware in emails. So what probably happened here is that uh, an affiliate from Conti uh, managed to gain access to uh, their networks, which was probably by sending a um, a phishing email, but that won't have contained ransomware. What that probably did contain was some other kind of backdoor. Yeah, so it's a, so really, so let okay, what we're skirting, so Kev's given us the technicals, but what we're skirting around here is the fact that massive cyber heist is actually just another one of the many run-of-the-mill ransomware attacks that happens every day, week, yeah, just, don't, <laughs> month. Don't let like. the facts get in the way of a good story here, though. I mean, this has literally got everything. It's great copy. It's got... It's got celebs, it's got millions of dollars, it's got Russians, it's got cybers, it's 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 literally like Taylor Beckham the Daily Mail, this one. 
it's just stoking the stoking the fire of yeah. fears when it comes to the Daily exactly. Mail reader. <laughs> like, don't you touch our celebrities um, or computers? Or you know, yes, we'd love to know what we'd love to know what Philip Green's boat cost or whatever it is. The the other thing there, uh, cyber experts believe, um, is that uh, cyber experts believe the extortionists will demand payment either in an untraceable cyber currency such as Bitcoin. Or even jewels. Do we want to? Do we want to get into I'm that? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I Bitcoin. Yes, that untraceable currency that you can send digitally across the world without having to go. But like jewels, like no, yes, are we no, arranging no, like no. A, a drop jewels, off? Jewels, <laughs> yes. Get on a flight. Get on a flight to St. Petersburg Airport. Go to the left luggage. <laughs> deposit the bags of jewels. No, no feds. You'll find your decryptor I mean, I, in there. I do. I feel. Yeah. I, oh, right. Yeah. I feel for the cyber experts, really, because I, yeah, I think like, they've they've clearly there's been an editor at the time, the Mail who who's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These cyber experts. Yeah, let's course, edit a bit of this. Edit, edit that. Edit that. Oh, add in, <laughs> add in that they pay in jewels. Yeah, go right. Publish. <laughs> And this cyber expert's like, oh. I, I really hope the cyber. I really hope the cyber experts haven't said, haven't said that they think that they're going to pay in, in jewels. Oh, they have. It's no wonder this cyber yeah. expert wants to remain unnamed. I think cyber experts believe is like they've spoken to like one pen tester or something. I don't know who their cyber expert is, but I really, really want to. It's Tim from accounting who's currently updating yeah. all the antivirus. And also, I love, I love, I love the idea so that man. now you can get out of a ransomware attack by paying the thing that your company does. So, if, for example, if, yes. you're, if you're colonial, <laughs> you just I'll send be... like a massive load of gas to them or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone will be ransomwareing Coca-Cola next week. <laughs> uh. Anyway, so thanks for that Daily Mail. It was fun. Right, um, Malwarebytes have published a great blog, which we will make sure shared in the notes for this episode, um, but uh, around lessons learned after a, uh, a ransomware attack. And they talked to a systems administrator who was um, having to respond in the context of, uh, of being uh, attacked. The bit that we found really interesting, though, was, and there's a lot of actually, there's a lot of great uh, insight in there, but the bit that we found really interesting was this quote from the guy where he says, if I was to redo this again, the minute I saw the first one hit, I would just have pulled the power on every single box as soon as possible. So there you are. Yeah. There's the, there's straight that, from the words of someone who, who's experienced That's it. like a, a GIF Kev sent me recently, which had a, it was a box of a server rack, and in case of cyber attack, pull all cables. And that's basically what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and like we've run a, a number of crisis sims, and it's really interesting to see the risk appetite of nobody ever wants to make that decision in the heat of the moment. Nobody ever wants to take your entire business offline, but everybody, and almost everybody, at the end of it goes, oh, I wish I'd just taken that option earlier on. So you have the option, like you yeah. can, you're allowed to. You, you can do it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's fascinating. I think what's interesting as well is, of course, that there is this. Um, there is this idea that um, bringing the business to a halt could never be, could always be the worst thing, whereas actually, in many cases, 
the ransomware attack that's already <laughs> crippling your business yeah. is the worst thing and i think some of that balance is sometimes missing um, but to kev's point yeah we see that a lot we, we see two things we see i don't want to make the disruptive difficult you know business impacting decision a but b i also want to find excuses to not do that so i will say things like oh i don't think we know enough about what's going on really to decide whether we should shut the network down or not in fact as bad as the colonial thing was and it wasn't that bad actually that what was worse was the um, was the hype around it that created the shortages and stuff but as bad as the colonial thing was one thing that probably saved them a lot of um, a lot of time and pain was the fact that part of their incident response plan was to shut down um, parts of the network if something like this um, were to happen so it's just an interesting bit of uh, it's an interesting bit of insight I have a quick question on this in most businesses is there a single cable that you can pull that stops you being connected to the internet uh no, uh, <laughs> Anthony Dalton, idea, idea for a cyber security. <laughs> this is company. exactly it. You get a little <laughs> tiny guillotine housing, and you put it around that cable, <laughs> and you smash the button in case of ransomware attack. Deploy the guillotine. Perfect. Uh, no, because like for redundancy's sake, you probably want if cleaner unplugs cable, make sure we have another cable Fair plugged enough. in somewhere that will reroute us. Uh, so uh, no and. Disconnecting the thing the thing that's really pervasive about ransomware attacks is even if you disconnect from the internet, most ransomware doesn't have C two capability. Right. Like it's self contained. Uh, so as long as it can talk to other machines, it can go. Like what you need to do is like disconnect the machines from each other. Um, like remote shutdown stuff is where you're going to see the biggest uh, thing there. Or like Max was saying earlier that picture of the go to your switch and pull the cables out of your switch that's the thing you should that's the thing you should do like network isolate all of your machines from each other that's going to limit your effect but that is a big a big decision to, yeah a big decision to make yeah all right lots of ransomware stuff race through that um perhaps we'll spend a little more time on this as we come into um as we come into land that um there is a theme emerging across a lot of news stories this week that is about increased government and law enforcement involvement with disrupting specifically ransomware gangs, but also other kinds of uh, other kinds of cyber criminal enterprises as well. So I thought we would talk about that a little bit. And Black Matter has been big in the news over the last couple of days. Black Matter were sort of they were everywhere for a little while in the context of, uh, of their ransomware activity. And now it feels like we had this thing where did their decrypt keys get released and we don't we don't know who was involved or how that happened so Kev I'll let you talk about that in a minute and then also it now feels like maybe they've maybe they've shut down uh, entirely so what's the black matter story so there's there's two parts of the story so uh, a couple of weeks ago late into October uh, MZ soft came out uh, and said that they had identified a flaw in the black matter ransomware and they'd identified this flaw a while ago and they were using that secretly with their customers to decrypt for free. Um, and they kept that really quiet so they didn't make it public because the moment they did, obviously, Black Matter would go and fix that flaw. 
Uh, at some point, Black Matter identified this themselves, maybe because nobody was paying, um, <laughs> and they went and patched that. And at that point, MGSoft said, as this doesn't work anymore, here's all the keys. So if you were hit by an older uh, version of Black Matter, you okay. can now go and decrypt it. And to be fair to MGSoft, when I say they kept it private, they kept it private to themselves, but I think they also uh, shared it with uh, the governments so that if anybody was coming through the government reporting, the government knew to go to MZSoft and MZSoft could give decryption keys. So they played that tight to their chest, but tight in the, the central kind of way. So that happened. Uh, and then uh, Black Matter posted uh, a post onto the uh, cyber forums in the dark web. Uh, saying that they were taking themselves offline in 48 hours. So they gave two days notice saying we're shutting down due to pressure from the authorities. Uh, and then they qualified that by saying, if you've got words to this effect, if you're currently engaged in a ransom, switch to email, go to our system and get the decryptor now before we shut down. <laughs> so that, that doesn't sound like the authorities stepped in and took them offline like we've seen in the past. This is very much a them deciding to do it. We don't know why, but they mentioned that like, there was pressure from authorities. Can I do, can I do some rand, rampant speculation? Oh, we love it. We can love a some... bit of rampant speculation. Yeah. Well, well, pressure from authorities. Say you're living somewhere where authorities might be, you know, collaborating with you over the years and completely a knowledge of everything you do, and then they say, okay, well, we're having other pressures, so. Wrap your business up, take your millions, <laughs> and uh, and and move on. Because what kind of authorities would that be? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I think that's maybe because <laughs> if if they give you forty eight hours, it's it's definitely not Western authorities, is it? So uh, that's my rampant speculation. Yeah. It's not a boot. It's not a boot through the door and people in tactical vests, exactly, is it? No, uh, it is. The timing is awfully coincidental. Uh, I think. Uh, Europol or Interpol did make 12 arrests like in previous weeks of people who are known associates with not this specific group but with ransomware groups generally so I wonder if they actually managed to take down like a key part of that uh, that that human infrastructure uh, inside the, the ransomware groups but what's interesting though is it is definitely a case of the heat being applied wherever that heat is being applied from heat is clearly being applied and there is there has been a there has been a result in the in the context of that heat being applied which i think we should all see as being we should all see as being positive surely well what well question I, question I, I, I really want to yeah that's our question for you where are they going to go what are they going to do they're really good hackers are they just going to be right okay we're going to go mm. off to an island or they're going to be like let's change what we're going to do we might not do ransomware anymore, but... So we also have to remember that Black Matter is themselves a rebranding of another <laughs> well, group that yeah. was under pressure and disappeared for several months before rebranding as... Uh, the same thing's going to happen again. Like, to Max's point, like, these are talented individuals at what they do. Uh, they've made significant amounts of money, especially the affiliates. The affiliates aren't tied to the group. They're tied to any group. So they're just going to go, right... If I hack that network, who else is going to give me access into their affiliate program? Uh, yeah, it's like they'll rebrand, they'll resurface, and it will just continue. Like, it's a vicious loop. The US Justice Department are at it again 
though, a Russian national has been extradited back to the United States, in this case from uh, from South Korea, uh, to face charges around being involved in the TrickBot gang. TrickBot, we have spoken about um, pre- on previous episodes of the podcast. They're a, um, they're a malware uh, group that were pretty active pre the election weren't they and there was some there was some offensive we speculated that though it, no, it wasn't speculation there was some offensive cyber that went on in order <laughs> yep. to bring down parts of the in order to bring down parts of the trickbot group this is the second defendant to be arrested um uh, uh, connected with connected with this same this same thing uh i feel like we have lots of conversations always about people being arrested but i'm not sure anything ever really anything ever really happens. What I learned mostly from this press release is that the DOJ has a ransomware and digital extortion task force who are at least arresting people. But I'm assuming that we're going to say the same things. It's really hard to reach the people in mostly Russia who are responsible for this stuff. Yeah, so there's there's a big difference between issuing arrest warrants and indictments versus actually managing to arrest people. And Mm. that's what we see. It's like it's yeah it's it's the flash but there's no bang that follows this and this is where uh, and we have we've seen a lot of governments talk to the point of like we need to work better to like re- remove those geopolitical boundaries like let's have the ability to extradite people from russia if they're found to do that lots of talk around it but like it, we don't see much in the way of substance uh in those things actually being held accountable and it's two sides of the set. This, so, so in the context of the offensive cyber stuff, and that was the other thing that I wanted us um, to talk about uh, was GCHQ, the boss of GCHQ, coming out and saying, you know, we have to do more with the, I think, what he called the pointy end of the spear, which is like essentially lots of implications about we're going to do offensive cyber in order to deal with some of these ransomware challenges. But it feels like those are at the moment two sides of the coin when they need to be part. They need to feel joined up to me in a you know uh, uh, as a citizen i want to feel like there is a joined up approach to a bringing down the infrastructure and disrupting the activity but of course also b bringing those people to justice i actually get very frustrated um watching true <laughs> max knows some of my favorite things to watch on tv true crime documentaries <laughs> um or actually those documentaries where they follow they're following someone trying to arrest them and they're not stopping them doing what they're doing because we need to gather evidence and i'm like i find that infuriating i don't want to watch someone being involved in people trafficking i want you to stop them trafficking those people i think you know what i mean i I think think that this is i mean it's an interesting question isn't it gchq is not a law enforcement agency right exactly it is an intelligence gathering agency and this is so the the pointy end of the stick from this point of view is what what are they going to do uh, and again, I'm going to rampantly speculate, uh, and uh, you know, having no affiliation whatsoever with GCHQ, um, the, uh, I'm going to say that they uh, could collect information. They could like um, take down the the computers that these ransomware operators are using, but they'll probably they'll just burn them and they'll use other ones. I don't think that will be very effective. Mm. They could try and do implants. They could, but then they're never going to arrest them if they're in other places in the world they can't reach anyway. So what what's the point in the stick actually going to do? 
Um, I'll be interested. Kev, what do you think? Drone strikes. Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, but didn't someone talk? Hang on, hasn't someone suggested? That? Oh no, no, they yeah, didn't. Sorry, it- no, sorry. They they said the equivalent of the cyber yeah, equivalent cyber drone of strikes, drone strikes, which is which is yeah, what? which basically doesn't mean anything. It's like make breaking it's, their computers. It's like, oh, get a new get a new uh, AWS server because it's one of them's melted. You know, like what? It, uh, subtly more serious in terms of the offensive, like. If I was going on the offensive against these operators, I would hit them where it hurts, which is their pocket. I would be like, we know they deal in large amounts of cryptocurrency, so I would be deploying implants that connect back to them, and I want their crypto access. I want their yeah. private keys to their Bitcoin. Transfer them funds out, great. Uh, I want to be tracking like where are they living, what houses are they, what cars do they have. The crypto thing isn't that what the FBI did with Darkseid? Well, yeah, but but if they can do, why haven't they done this already? If this is such, like, why? What would this point in the stick help? In terms, surely they they should be able to track the Bitcoin. They should be able, like because they've done it with smaller targets so far. Like they've and they haven't used like implants. I think they've done the physical thing. Like they physically stormed in with boots and took the servers. Yeah. And on those servers, they found the keys. I uh, that still needs that physical presence. I think switching that to cna mm. like i think you could use an implant to the same effect of like i've just stolen all your all your crypto from there i i found out where you're living i found your ip addresses i'm going to disrupt you in your day-to-day life make your life hell so you can't stand up these organizations that's how i'd be doing this like hit mm. hit the human element of the the attack when you say implant do you mean installing something on the machines oh yeah like we have our yeah. own malware generation capability so that's what we do like we use the same techniques that they're using, but we do it a bit better, a bit quieter, like less noisy than ransomware, and we hit them the same way. You force them uh, underground, you force them out of business to the point where they can't operate anymore. That feels to me like the area where we could get a lot more creative. Um, but that's probably <laughs> that's probably a discussion for another time. Look, we're nearly done, so it's obviously time for Hackers Could. Um <laughs> Kev, the first one of these is amazing. Hackers are stealing <laughs> data today, so quantum computers can crack it in a decade. What? What? <laughs> what is all this about? And and of course, you are now going to have to dance the quantum computing dance because none of us really understand what it is. So I'm going to let you explain the entire thing. And, and I, I feel like also how completely ridiculous it is. Yeah, and I like to anybody who's actually working in quantum computing, I apologize because I will do this zero <laughs> justice. Um, I, traditional computers act in binary states. So something is either on or it's off. And traditional computing is all about, it's effectively just adding. They're big adding machines. Uh, so we add and subtract uh, binary numbers. Uh, quantum uh, they have two states like one zero on off like quantum computing brings in multiple states for a single thing so it can be in more than or there's more than just on or off and then you've got something called spintronics uh so if you're looking at an electron electron is positive or negative but it's also spinning clockwise or anti-clockwise so now you've got four states for a single thing where before we only had two that is a very very simplistic view of what <laughs> quantum computing is what it I means. feel like this needs a show. This needs a show hosted by that guy that does the physics stuff. What's his Still name? Neither science guy. No, no, the other, the the, the, the British guy. Um, 
Oh, Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. Yeah. I can't. I, 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 I can't. I actually can't watch stuff with him in because I find him a bit annoying. <laughs> but I think he does do quite a good job of explaining these kind of things. But it's he also spends a lot of his time saying, "In the yeah, universe, it's amazing. amazing. Standing on the top of mountains, gazing at the night sky." basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> off into the middle mistily yeah. into the middle distance yeah anyway sorry uh, so, that's the kind of explanation <laughs> that he needs but kev i think you've given us enough um let's get to the yeah. threaty threat threat shall we so, yeah so what it means is you can do things much quicker and that's the thing that's uh a f so when we talk about cryptography uh we talk about every cryptographer uh, every cryptographic scheme can be broken it's just a matter of time mm. so what quantum computing allows you to do is significantly reduce that so where it might take a hundred decades to crack something with quantum computing it might take 10 seconds mm. uh, that's the power the supposed power of quantum computing it doesn't actually really exist in in uh, a good form at the minute so what dustin moody a mathematician has said uh, is that the threat of nation-state adversaries getting a large quantum computer uh, is real. <laughs> so, uh, hang on, you just said quantum computing's not real. Uh, well, I'm also saying that a mathematician may not be best placed to advise on nation-state adversaries me, uh, and this, their threat profile. This reminds me of the cyber criminals will definitely use AI to hack us all. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's an interesting part of so four. I think TLS version three is has something called perfect forward secrecy already, which mean and the re, and and the whole point of perfect forward secrecy is if in some future time we've got a different technology that can speed things up, it's still you still won't be able to decrypt the content. So I think that's what it's getting at here is if we save every if. We save all the keys and everything, uh, or someone is collecting all this data going back and forth. Then, in a hundred years, they could be able to crack it. Crack it, but we're already kind of through that with with TLS version three. My my biggest argument to this is, what kind of data is still valid a hundred <laughs> years from now that you're actually going to be able to do anything well, with? Some you things. Know, you some know, things. I, I are found still... the budget report from 1876. Quick, let's ransom them. Well, I think I think you probably some things you, are still. You know, you know, though, Kev. I think you're you're the military guy. I think, in, particularly in military, they do they go in in like multiple decades, don't they? They they say this bit of information intelligence has to be secure for ninety decades or something. Like there are there are like rules about them, and and military still do use things like uh, one time pad. And I'll have to ca catch Kev out on. He said. All, 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 all. He said all encryption is is breakable given time, but actually one time pad is uh, officially unbreakable. Uh, so, so they still use things like that because they are worried about kind of things like quantum encryption and. and but yeah, it's. Um, I think mainly, I think mainly, Kev was annoyed about the fact that a mathematician was telling us about nation state attacks a hundred <laughs> years from now. Uh, okay, um, the only change shifting shifting gears somewhat. Brewdog hackers could steal beer and thousands of people's personal information. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. So this one was... I hate the reporting on this. Because whilst... Yes. No. Like, <laughs> so, there you go. This was responsibly disclosed. I think Pentest Partners... Uh, was the the one to do this and uh there were some hard-coded credentials inside the app uh that could uh allow you to pretend to be anybody you liked and 
doing that, uh, you could uh, log in as somebody else and basically get their free beer. Kev, how, how, oh, Kev you're, I see. you're a massive fan okay. of, of BrewDog. How have you not, yeah, sh- you have you not double-checked this app? Uh, <laughs> you should definitely go and... <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is the thing. It's Especially with BrewDog, I mean, it's all completely accurate and it's all completely valid, but the headline just takes it all out of context. Like, this was responsibly disclosed, like, in... Yeah... Well, it's the, it's the, it's of course the, it's the, <laughs> the journalists can't resist. You wouldn't be able to resist. The story is not a flaw in a mobile app. The story is that flaw could lead to the theft of beer. Like it's back, it's di- it's diamonds <laughs> all over again, isn't it? <laughs> pay, um, so pay, the, pay the ransom in beer. So the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the reality is in the context of the headline, yes, hackers could steal beer from users of the uh, of the mobile app but the reality is that it's been responsibly disclosed and it's been patched and it's highly unlikely that hackers ever would um all right we we've run out of time we've run out of time there was there was just so much and stuff that we were going to talk about didn't make it in so we'll do it next week we're um it is november the 5th here in the uk which international listeners may or may not know is when we terrorists, celebrate terrorists. an attempt to we, blow up we, our monarchy. we, we celebrate yeah. terrorism so basically <laughs> we celebrate terrorism by taking a um a dummy terrorist and by dummy i mean a uh how do you explain an this? Effigy, a, yeah. yeah, an effigy. That's the word, Kev. Very good. Um, an effigy. Put it on a fire, um, and so we we burn that, and then we have fireworks. And Anthony has been off to buy fireworks, and has made an interesting correlation. What's the correlation that you've made, Anthony? Uh, well, I just walked into the fireworks shop, and as someone who loves words, I was looking at the uh, names of the firework boxes, um, and. The, the, they're just absolutely fantastic um, and they sound very very much like APT group names and I'm not going to give I'm uh, not going to no, give them away them because I think uh, I should let Chris talk you through them to be honest well we've written them all down and what I would like the group to do is to choose their f- favourite and the other thing I, I was thinking is and I said to Kev when we at Immersive Labs uncover our first um, APT we will i think we will use one of these uh we will use one of these names <laughs> um all right so so max what max what are you going for i'm going with atomic smasher atomic smasher nice i like it i don't actually think they i mean i don't know if there's trace description issues here <laughs> how close does it have to be to what they actually do and <laughs> um, what are you going what, what are you going for anthony uh atomic warlord is, uh, oh, another beautiful. atomic atomic yeah. warlord yeah okay um i i really like sledgehammer <laughs> um think it isn't that a 70s it it. rock it group well it's interesting because there's two, there's two there's two there's so there's sledgehammer but one of the other ones is countdown finale and of course i, I was immediately doing it and we're all now doing it yeah we're all doing it yeah and yep. finally, and finally, Kev, finally, Kev, like when you when you give birth to your baby and you're going to name, <laughs> you're going to name Immersive Labs first APT, which will have to be from China because that's where the fireworks come from. What are you going? What are you going to call it? 
So this actually fits with something that uh, I was in a webinar the other day, and I was talking about protecting the sanctity uh, of ah, the network. Yes. Nice. Uh, and we had this, the, the sanctity <laughs> of human life versus malware. So this fits perfectly. Uh, this is satanic desecration. <laughs> yes. Sounds like, a, sounds like an Icelandic death metal group. Okay. <laughs> anyway, on that bombshell firework whatever um we must bring things to a close if you've enjoyed this <laughs> podcast that, please do damn subs- squib <laughs> 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 if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe rate and comment wherever you get your audio content and if you want to know more about immersive labs you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on twitter at immersive labs until next time from all of us goodbye goodbye goodbye, goodbye. Go, 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 go